to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements, and this is the podcast that celebrates films for 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. Today, we're joined by writer and director Ira Sachs, the man behind such films as Keep the Lights On, Little Men, and Frankie. Hello, Ira. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Nice to be here. Where do we find you today? Where are you, are you talking to us from? I'm talking to you from New York City, um, my home where... I wasn't for about a year, but now I'm, I'm here and um, I'm also here without my kids, which is unusual because they were home for that year. <laughs> so so it's I'm in a newly quiet uh, domestic space. It's been such a crazy year, but I'm, you know, it's, it's good that you've had that, you know, option to be with your kids and now you've got a bit of time as well. And I have to say that the thing that's been the most powerful for us as a family almost is has been cinema, movies. I mean, we have had a, a deep dive as a family in movies and often my husband boris is saying can you find a movie that's going to be shorter than an hour and a half can you find a movie under an hour and a half because he always wants to do something afterwards so um this has really been uh, a process and an interesting one uh, i like the idea so thanks in your family are you kind of the the movie nut or you know is, is a, a family that's joined together by movies it's really nice because it's something my my husband is a painter but he really loves movies watches probably more than i do he likes horror a lot so he watches a lot of horror movies but he's very open to things um uh, we raise our kids with their mom, Kirsten Johnson, who's a documentary filmmaker um, who made a movie called Camera Person and uh, Dick Johnson is Dead. And Kirsten just got married to Tabitha Jackson, who was a woman who just became the head of the Sundance Film Festival. So my kids have four parental figures who are all really invested in, in movies. And so this year, what's been great is we've not been watching like the adults' favorite movies. We've been doing a lot of discovery. We've been fine as groups. So we've actually just finished, I guess we're 80% through all of Hitchcock. We've, we've watched all the British silent Hitchcocks together. Um, we're now doing a bunch of Westerns. We just discovered Mitchell Lyson, who I'd never seen before, who's a comic director of the 1930s. Um, we've did all the Marx Brothers. We did most of the Buster Keaton. So it's been a really great, um, cinema year. Otherwise, it's been a terrible year, but that's been a nice silver lining. I couldn't help but when you were, you know, talking about all of the amazing things you've watched, thinking, oh, that's under 90 minutes. That's under 90 minutes. Um, you've got a lot of, uh, yeah, very podcast friendly uh, titles in there. Wow. But I, you know, what's interesting is when you ask me to pick a film under 90 minutes, I really like to pick something that I want to review, not just to uh, present it to other people, but that as a filmmaker and as an artist that I think I might um, get inspired by. So I have to find something that I really am hungry to watch. Like, I didn't just want to pick my favorite. Like, I actually, you know, I'm a huge Ken Loach fan. I thought about, I mean, most of them are kind of longer. But like, right now, I don't really want to watch Ken Loach, to be honest. I just don't want, it's just not what I want to spend. So it's like, I needed to find something. I was also interested, and I failed in finding a queer work. Um, and so I suggested Chantal Ackerman. I suggested Taxi Zoom Clo by Frank Riplow. I suggested um, 
a Fassbender film at some point, but none of those were available in the UK, which, which is pretty telling in terms of how the market defines the diversity of, of films that are available for an audience. So hopefully that will change with time. I think for uh, listeners, you know, normally when we do this podcast, you know, we'll, we'll reach out to our, our guest, our filmmaker, and, you know, we'll, we'll have the conversation. And usually first or second choice um, is totally fine. And, and that's the movie we settle on. Ira's been very patient and I think maybe suggested five or six movies before we got to today's film. Uh, and I, they were all so good. And I was I was really up for watching so many of them. Uh, I think we'll publish, the, we'll put the list in the show notes. So, you know, if listeners, if you're not listening in the UK, you can probably see, you know, Ira's first, second and third choices. <laughs> Taxis and Chloe is, is particularly annoying because it had a UK theatrical release when I worked at a cinema a few years ago, but it did didn't seem to make it to DVD. It's not available now. We have, you know, had a couple of almost rands, but how did you sort of move on to the film that we'll talk about today? Journey to Italy, which I actually knew as Voyage to Italy, was the title in America for a long time, but now it seems that everyone's going with Journey to Italy, was a film that I, I remember about 25 years ago, uh, a filmmaker named David Barker spoke of Journey to Italy and assuming that I would have seen it and I had never heard of it. Like I, it was just this gap, never heard of it. I went to go see it probably at the film forum in the cinema here. And um, I was pretty stunned. I just never seen a movie quite like it. It was such a combination of things. And it's, it's a movie that, that succeeds as metaphor and as poetry, which is a really high bar words to say, because poetry is a, could be almost anathema to cinema, but somehow it, it's also a movie that the effect, the overall effect of the film stays with you as if you just saw it an hour ago, whenever, like ever since I've watched it, I've, I've been able to almost contain not the shots or the scenes, but the feeling of the movie in my body. And I've come back to it in so many different ways in terms of particularly about um, both relationships, because this is a marriage film, but also the relationship between ourselves and silence and ourselves and objects in the world. And I'm working on a film now, which is about a marriage, about between two men and a woman that one of them gets involved with. And I'm interested in films about dissolutions of marriages or challenges in marriages. So I, I kind of knew it would say something to me now, and, and it really did. Made in 1954, directed by Roberto Rossellini, we've got Ingrid Bergman and George Sanders playing Catherine and Alex Joyce, an English married couple whose trip to Italy unexpectedly undermines their marriage. And it's, like you say, it's one of those great films where it's not so much about the narrative plot, but there is a forward momentum through their relationship, and it sort of meanders along in a way but it really gets under your skin and you feel so invested in these characters in in those 86 minutes yes i also think it's a film um you know you think of Mussolini as a great realist film director and it is a realist film but it's also really classic almost hollywood like cinema uh, and movie making and that's the tension is so interesting to me between the two so it begins with these credits the sequence, which is looks like you're watching Gone with the Wind. I mean, it's like it's like old writing and music. And then there, the next scene is is cinema verite. The first shots are cinema verite. So you have this contrast between 
the real and the unreal. It actually reminded me a lot of Fassbender watching it um, yesterday. You, her outfits, for example, could be Hannah Shagula and Maria Brown. They're so dramatic. She has the most dramatic clothes in this film. And also her style of acting is from a different period. It's not naturalistic. It's, it's almost, it's not, I mean, it's very expressive, but it's, but it's also quite um, physical in a theatrical kind of way. And George Sanders, you, you, you feel like you're watching a movie, you know, whether it be all about Eve, which, which is a, a film he's, he's, he's really known for, or I just watched Foreign Correspondent, um, the Hitchcock film, which he's so good in. Um, so you're watching like old Hollywood in a very new setting and a new way of telling a story. Yeah, I, t I totally uh, agree with that. I actually watched Foreign Correspondent for the first time during lockdown. So it's nice to see him uh, again in this. No, <laughs> Hitchcock right. film, which, no one, which I feel like nobody talks about, but it's so fun. Our kids love that movie. It was one of the best. You're right as well about the, the style of performance. I I feel like because they're on location in this film, you know, maybe it's it sort of frees them up from from you know the the being on a soundstage and working in in, in that way. Uh, that's at least what I've projected uh, onto this movie because it feels so contemporary, even though it's very clearly 1954. Well, I I, I read that um, they really the actors weren't given their their lines until the day before they started shooting each scene, so they were they were really really like asked to be as spontaneous as possible in their responses and as we said acting is reacting and so you feel there is this internal story going on that is almost wordless i think what they do the two lead actors is is really profound um, i do think they guide you through the film in incredibly um, resonant ways um, i think the, there's maybe 50 minutes into the film there is the first really reflective moment for George Sanders, where suddenly he's at a window and it holds for just a beat longer than it might have to see him thinking interiorly. Somehow the collaboration with Rossellini and, and these two is just really, really something, really something. I didn't realize about that, um, how they were working, you know, uh, with uh, holding back the sides until the you know, day before. That, that must have been quite a wild uh, a shoot and maybe quite liberating. Well, I, I think it means, I mean, then, you know, the film is really famous for the final scene in the movie, mm. which is quite extraordinary. And it takes place, I won't give away the plot for anyone who hasn't watched that scene, but it takes place during a, a large celebration fest festival in a, in a town in Naples. And so there's probably a thousand people and, and your two lead actors have this dramatic moment um, in the middle of it. And you're just... I, I guess that scene, in a way, exemplifies this contrast that I'm talking about that I found so resonant in the film between the staged, the, the movie star, the hired performer, and then the real, which is what was happening in, in that moment in Naples. And um, it's quite breathtaking how he merges. In that final moment, they merge. They really become one. Hello, I'm Martin Zotzorstwey. And I'm Sam Hay. And together we make a podcast called Song, Song by Song. Song. But we don't do it alone. Almost every week we have a guest. And we've had some wonderful guests, including writers John Ronson, 
John Hodgman, Simon Stevens. We've had uh, musicians Eliza Rickman, uh, Jenny Conley Drizos from the Decemberists, and Jeremy Wormsley and Elizabeth Sankey from Summer Camp. Uh, we've had podcasters Jenny Owen Youngs, Jeffrey Craner, and Phoebe Judge. All sorts of people join us to talk about the music of Tom Waits. And if that sounds fun, why don't you join us too? You can do that at our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or search for Song by Song wherever you get your podcasts. I um I couldn't help but notice. I know this wasn't your first choice, but it does feel actually like quite a good choice considering that your new film Frankie is in cinemas at the moment, uh, which is also about a family in Europe, you know, and and you know lots of truths are told and and relationships are um, developed, uh, you know, whilst away from home. Um, so it does sort of it feels like it's quite resonant there. Did you ever think? Did, were you thinking about Journey to Italy at all when you were working on Frankie? We, we were because it's it's a story in which what happens domestically is kind of played out against a landscape that is this foreign for the characters. And so I think that that is really um, resonant. I would have to say, my guess is every film that I've made since I saw Voyage to Italy is, has been influenced by Voyage to Italy, Journey to Italy. I feel like it's just one of those films that, that just I, I come back to as a whole so often in my mind. I would, I would say, I mean, just as I'm thinking about it, I also come back to it within a marriage, my own marriage and, and these moments. And I, and I think, you know, one of the interesting things I found during the pandemic was that I was extremely, I was with my husband and my family all the time, but in a way it was less intimate because you were so, physically kind of reliant and in each other's space that you almost had less intimacy than you might in other ways emotionally. You kept your emotions to yourself to, to some extent. So I think that's, that's also very much in the film. What does it feel like to create a life with another person? It's an interesting situation to explore uh, relationships, uh, both in, in Frankie and, and in this, you know, being away from the day to day and, uh, you know, seeing what, what comes out when you're, in this case, you know, in Naples on what is supposed to be, you know, a, 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 you know, an idyllic sort of getaway. But there's so much going on underneath the surface uh, between this couple, which is, is fascinating. I love all the tour guides in the movie, which who I feel like are like storytellers. It's very clear Rusellini understood that everyone has their own drama. Everyone has their own story. He's really, he's a very democratic um, director. He's interested in any person who appears in his film. I mean, obviously the movies, the stars are these wealthy British couple. And so there's a, that, that contrast is, is there, but um, he's just such an empathetic director. So the film's set in, in Naples and uh, Ingrid Bergman's character does go on, you know, several sort of day trips to various tourist attractions. And I, I thought it was, it was just like interesting documentary as well, like to see what these places would have looked like in the 1950s, um, going to Pompeii, going to the, you know, seeing those huge statues, which is, is so well shot as well. Um, she's sort of like the lone visitor in this incredible uh, museum. That camera works just to capture, you know, these dramatic real life locations was was so beautiful and such a treat. Uh, to see and you can't see it like you know if you go to Vesuvius now uh, and Pompeii you know it, it won't look like that yeah there's there's um there's a kind of it's almost like they're there on their own that they get the whole it's it's like the landscape of Naples is the landscape of their marriage and of their lives 
Are you generally, sort of speaking, a, a Rossellini fan, or is is this the the one for you that that really stands out? I I feel like Rossellini's a gap for me, to be honest. And I, I was looking because I'm so, I'm really interested in more, um, but I think this was the only one that was available that was under 90 minutes. So I've never seen General Della Rivera. I've never seen Fear, which is a movie he made later with Ingrid Bergman. I've got a lot of gaps, which this this viewing made me want to try to fill those gaps. So, and and I think for me, like um, Rome, Open City, which is was a really important film for people. To me, is a more academic film for me. Like it just didn't. It, it's like interesting to see what he's doing with the camera, but I didn't feel the way that I have in this film. But I I, I kind of trust the the, or I'm interested in how much Rossellini meant to a, a bunch of filmmakers who mean a lot to me. I, I like to believe that one throughout one's life, and I do believe this, can have can make continue to make new discoveries. And so I'm excited to 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 go down that rabbit hole. I love a project. We were talking earlier about the lockdown film projects, but uh, I think a Rossellini kind of retrospective in your in your living room might be a fun fun thing to do next. Not sure it's gonna work with nine year olds. <laughs> well, by the way, Mitchell Lyson. If I'm pronouncing his name right, do you know? Is it Lyson? Leeson? 1930s and 40s uh, um, film director who made a movie called Easy Living, which we just watched with Gene Arthur, which is amazing, hilarious, so brilliant. Uh, written by Preston Sturgis, and I think as good as any of the Preston Sturgis films. But Mitchell Leeson, I feel like my kids will be very happy. We'll, we'll watch all nine that are available on Criterion because I think they're all plot-driven movies. Um, and that's really useful. If only you'd listened to me, we could have come by plane. We would have been back home a week ago. But I wanted you to take a rest. It didn't occur to me that it would be so boring for you to be alone with me. <laughs> What's that got to do with it? I'm just bored because I've got nothing to do. This is the first time that we've been really alone ever since we married. Yes, I suppose it is. In Journey to Italy and Voyage to Italy, do you have a, a favorite scene, one that's sort of stuck with you uh, throughout the time you've you've known this movie? Yes, that's a good question. Um, well, I think the the, the, the the denouement, the end of the film, is one that I, I remember most vividly. Um, it's, it's, it's funny because almost like having watched it yesterday, it erases what my memories were. My memories were... were as abstract as the film. They weren't images or shots. They were really the story of a marriage. Like that's, and, and the space that exists between people within an intimate relationship. And I would say that that is, that in itself is the theme of all my films. So, or is something that continually interests me is, is the space between people who live intimately in domestic life yeah it's, it's, it's always interesting talking to filmmakers and and sort of hearing you know what films might be on that you know sort of uh imaginary post-it note above the typewriter above the computer which sort of keeps working its way into you know various aspects of your work i mean what was nice about it is that i've been watching very closely a number of pla films which um maurice pla have been sort of obsessively watching for 20 last 20 years um, who's a great realist cinema uh, director, great in any number of ways. He's, he's a fantastic filmmaker. 
but this film kind of, it's funny that I feel like this film brought me back to the, the positive quality of theatricality and, and that it's almost like that Rusellini is, is making me want to go watch Fassbender. And that both these things, that the kind of theatrical playfulness, non-reality can be really, really important in filmmaking. What is not real. And I will say that Frankie is not real. Like Frankie is, a, is the texture might be quite natural in the actors, but the structure is so unrealistic because it's basically like nine plot lines that, that get played out in the course of one day. And, and that was part of what was interesting to me was to try to make a film that was um, real-like, but also uh, fake-like. I think it's good to make a point, isn't it? It's, it's, a good, um, it's a good experience for the audience when in one day, in one figurative day, um, I think like 98 minutes for Frankie, um, we're going to cover, you know, this quite a large family and, and all of the sort of intertwining relationships and the artificiality of all of that needing to happen in that, that time adds to the drama. Yes. Well, I think it ends up being what, what kind of you remember. is not just that it's artificial, but you remember the ways in which the film did not feel like real life, but then underneath that, it felt like real life. So it's this like multiple layers. Um, Fassbender, I think, does that extraordinarily well. Uh, and so does in, in uh, so does Rusellini and, and in this film. And I think that's what struck me this time was the, you know, maybe it's because I've been watching a lot of Hitchcock films. So I've seen Ingrid Bergman a mm. lot lately in, in Hollywood, like her Hollywood career is kind of in my mind. So to then see her in this film was so fascinating. I mean, she's wonderful in so many things, but she's so good in this film. In the that opening scene between the two of them in their car after this, you know, hugely long car journey from England to Italy, but still looking incredible. But I, I do think starting on like an intimate conversation gets to know the characters. It sort of fast tracks their relationship. He's not frightened to give you facts, which is a director and a screenwriter is really interesting. It's like They've been married for eight years. They've never been alone since then. They've, you, I don't know if you learn then that they don't have a child. I'm not sure when you actually learn that they're childless, that they chose. And later you learn that she didn't want a kid and that he wasn't sure, but now he agrees. So, um, but he, he doesn't shy away from um, dramaturgy. I'm kind of surprised. We've been doing this podcast for a few years now, and Journey to Italy is such a beloved film. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't come up before. It's always nice when you sort of, you know, get to talk about what is, you know, perceived as a classic. And and when I was talking, when I was looking into this film, I was surprised at the time to see, it, you know, it wasn't a hit at the box office, and it had problems with distribution. And I think and it was critically the badly received, which is interesting and inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was just, you know, people often say, you know, it's too ahead of its time, but it, it's definitely found an audience now. And, you know, re magazines such as Sight and Sound have put it in, you know, the top 50 films ever made. And I've seen Martin Scorsese, you know, talk about this film a heck of a lot um, over the years. And, and, you know, now it's generally perceived as yeah, a classic and, and to some people, one of the greatest films of all time. Um, it's, it's sort of interesting how over the last 70 years, it's it's built up this following and this is the kind of film that i worry we're going to lose space for in our market because it's a film that's as interested in form as in content and i think content has become um, so significant to films well well it's, it's content is 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 much more significant to television um, than form and i think also the other thing that this film 
really celebrates is silence and ambiguity. This is a film about ambiguity as a subject and as, and as a, a structure. It's about emotional ambiguity, and so it's also about visual ambiguity. And, and it trusts the audience to, to think abstractly. And that's what I, what I really love in movies. Like that, those are the movies that I want to go back to. When I, when I was thinking about which movies I wanted to see, it wasn't for the, I didn't go back to, to a movie that was like, the story really meant a lot to me. It was the form. How was the film made? And everything I recommended to you, I was curious about re-experiencing the film as a physical being somehow. And, and you know, I'm really grateful that you settled on uh, Journey to Italy and that we were able to talk about it because it's actually, you know, available here because I, I do think more people should should see this film. I do think this is some a film that would really benefit from a cinema screening. I, I've only had the pleasure of watching this at home, but, um, you know, if this ever pops up at a retrospective, uh, maybe at the BFI here in London or, or another movie house, I will I will be there. Well, it's been great to be able to talk to you about it and... Um... And thank you. I mean, for me, really, I think it, I, I, as soon as I finished the film, I wrote my co-writer and we're working on a new draft of our film. And I was like, you have to watch A Journey to Italy because I need to talk about it with you. So that's great. That's just a wonderful thing about cinema. Is, and, and I think it says how incredibly, as you say, it's not contemporary. It just, it's, it holds up. It just mm. it could have been made today because it's, it's, it's deep and it's... Um, beautifully crafted and it's wise and it's 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 a it's a masterpiece i mean whatever that means it just i think a masterpiece means that it seems relevant as relevant today as is any day and um yeah thank you Thank you very much for so for bringing it to our festival. Yeah, you know, this is a fictional film festival. But one day, maybe we can bring these films to an actual actual cinema. Uh, and if we were to to you know bring your curated choice, Journey to Italy, to an audience, have you got a, a favorite cinema you'd like to show this at? Uh, well, let, let's do it at Picture House. To me, I, you know, I mean, I definitely there's a great cinema in Madrid that I that I was uh, spent a lot of time in. Um, now, of course, I can't remember the name of the theater. It's an old, beautiful theater. Uh, mm. uh, uh, Almodovar has shot several of his movies there, but I don't, I, I feel like if the room is cold, if I can get some good popcorn, if the screen is big enough, um, if it's not too long, the, the, meaning the hall is not too long. Some of the big old theaters, you're, you're farther away from the screen than you have gotten used to. So um, no, it doesn't, it, I, let's, let's, we can watch it. For here, for me, the film forum here in New York is a really wonderful screen. And, and, you know, so like the film forum is one people would say, oh, we lost the Ziegfeld, which was a very famous cinema. But I didn't go to the Ziegfeld that often. I go to film forum. Oh, nice. I um, I know the cinema you mean in Madrid. I was lucky enough to see Scorsese's uh, Mean Streets there. We just wanted to see anything. Like, we'll see anything as long as it's in that cinema. That was part of the itinerary of the of the holiday. I, I saw the right stuff there last, I mean, two summers ago when, when uh, with my kids. And it, what was great is it was, I'd never seen the movie. So I was, I was glad to see it. And it's three hours long. So it was really good to see it on a screen. Mm-hmm. And it was totally packed. The theater was completely packed, which I feel like is good programming. At this fictional film festival, a lot of the key uh, creatives are no longer with us, but uh, if, if we were to put on an introduction maybe to this film, is there someone you'd like to hear talk about the movie? I'd like to see Claire Denis talk about Journey to Italy. 
Okay, well we'll do it. We'll we'll you know we'll book out a beautiful uh, picture house and we'll we'll get Caledonia along. Uh, we'll have uh, lots of Italian, maybe some Italian wine afterwards or something, and it'll be a be a fun night. Sign me up. Sign me up. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Ira. It's been it's been really fun to talk to you and really fun to revisit this movie, which I, I do highly recommend uh, listeners go out and, and see. And, and likewise, uh, see Frankie. It's out in cinemas right now. If you're listening to this later on or in another country, I think it's available on streaming and all of those all of those sort of avenues. But you've got one hell of a cast in Frankie, and it was such a joy to see them all play together uh, on screen. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Sam. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. You can also listen on our website, 90minfilmfest.com. That's 90minfilmfest.com. You can contact us there or on Twitter and Instagram at 90minfilmfest. The podcast is produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. The show is edited by Louise Owen with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.